Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello and welcome back to another edition of the Holtcast. Cole Petham here as always. And of course, we're here to talk all things Aston Villa Football Club with a nil-nil draw away at Stamford Bridge in the fourth round of the FA Cup. It's actually kind of nice to say the fourth round and not the third round, ironically. But nonetheless, a nil-nil draw means a replay in the FA Cup at Villa Park in a future date to be determined, which I think we figured out at somewhere in between, I think, Sheffield United on February 3rd and Manchester United on February 11th. So somewhere during that week, we should hopefully, uh, don't quote us exactly, but see a replay of this. Maybe that's advantageous in terms of being at Fortress Villa Park, but we'll have yet to see that and we'll discuss that at a later date. But anyways, this podcast will be out a little bit earlier than your usual Monday. So hopefully everyone enjoys that. We'll go over that draw, kind of get some reactions and thoughts on that and the replay. And of course, we will touch on Tuesday's match against Newcastle United, everyone's favorite United to face these days at home. But nonetheless, Seb, how's it going for you first, my friend? Everyone's favorite United. Well, because last season we smashed them. So I'm just going <laughs> to keep that. We also beat Man United at home. So true. Devil's advocate. I don't like any Uniteds, let's put it that way. But yes, it is very nice to be back. Um, and a replay. Replay's not the worst result. We get to take it back to Villa Park. Like you said, we didn't lose. We weren't great first half. Um, so to not lose and to keep a clean sheet away from home, uh, I think is good work. However, I think there are some worries maybe starting to come to the surface about what the rest of the season could have in store. And now over to Mr. Tom Nightingale. And I've realized that actually, to be honest, usually I'll say like, oh, these people are with me and I didn't do that. Maybe the shows were doing this on a Friday and on a prototypical Sunday. So that's what I'm blaming it on. But nonetheless, Tom, how's it going for you? Well, yeah, here I am for better or for worse. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I I sort of agree with Seb. Like, I don't think a replay is... I've seen a lot of like, oh, the last thing that we need is a replay. I'd have agreed with that. If we were talking in like November or whenever it was, when we were playing a game every three or four days for like six weeks or however long it was. But, you know, Newcastle on Tuesday. And then after that, we play once a week until uh, the Europa Conference League starts up again for us. So it's actually not a bad time. You know, if you're going to, ha- if there's a point in the season where you're going to have to shoehorn another game in like this, it's actually a pretty good time for it, I think. And, I've been, I've been tempted, you know, like back in October, November, I'd have been tempted to say, oh, the last, you know, the last thing we want is a replay. But I'm at this point now, like Villa's, Villa's recent history of the FA Cup is just so, it was diabolical, to be honest, isn't it? Like Villa's recent history in the FA Cup. So, I'd, you know, I'd rather be in the draw than be out of it. Um, and, and taking that Chelsea side back to Villa Park, where we still only lost once since last February. Um I'm 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 all right with it, you know. 
I, I do think I've seen I've seen a bit since the game finished about like oh maybe it's an argument for the FA Cup FA Cup ditching replays and having extra time. Uh, I do think that had 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 that been going to extra time rather than a replay, I'd have been pretty happy because I thought we ended very strongly. Second half I thought was much better than the first, but you know it's what it is. If you can't win games, don't lose them. There it is. Um, and spring them back to Villa Park and and go again. You know, I, I'm confident taking on anybody at Villa Park these days. So, um, shout out. Uh, we'll talk about it more, I'm sure. But shout out to Emmy Martinez because he kept us in that game. What four times in the first half? <laughs> in the first half, we get really blasé to having him. I think, but you know, we got the best. When you got the best goal- goalkeeper in the world, you're never out of any game, are you? Yeah, my, my favorite thing about that, Tom. Now is you'll get fans saying, "Oh." you rely too much on Emmy Martinez. You're a one-man club. And it's like, what's the point? Because you can say that about anyone that has a very good game. And yes, he is arguably the world's best goalkeeper. Of course, he received an award for it. So we might as well say that's an official statement. But I mean, you do have to rely on some of your key players yeah. at some different points in time. And of course, this was definitely one result said where we had to rely on him a little bit more than usual. But to be fair, he did cause some of his own blunders and he was very fortunate at times too. But I mean, a nil-nil draw, it is what it is. When you look and sit back at it, what do you think of kind of going back to a replay? Are you are you annoyed about it? Do you wish there was more of an extra time thing? How do you sit with this? I... Before um, Villa drew the game, previously in the FA Cup, I've always been a big advocate for replays. I think they do more positive than they do damage, um, especially for the lower league clubs. And we just have to have to suck it up, really. Um, I'm never going to complain about being able to go to Villa Park and watch Aston Villa play a game of football. Um, I think it's a better off for the competition and... You know, I would rather sit here and say, well, we should have just made sure we won in 90 minutes and sit here and complain that, you know, we have to we have to go through it again. It's it's the same for everyone. So I'm not going to sit here and complain about that. And I hope that no one from any um, legal capacity is listening. And just in case you are, I definitely didn't watch the match at all today because obviously it wasn't on television so i'm just gonna have to have to guess my way through the podcast as to how we played and tom i want to spin this one right back to you right away because i mean we've touched on emmy martinez a little bit but i think one player that we can kind of individualize for a moment is maybe even john mcginn what did you make of his performance today because i mean although at times you could definitely say villa were penned into their own half he was definitely the one player that was almost most likely and looking most lethal in terms of actually breaking us out and getting some opportunities to unleash the likes of Diaby and Watkins, which clearly didn't happen much until the very end. But what did you make of his performance? Honestly, like first half, at least I thought it was one of the, I honestly thought it was one of the poorer games he's had for us recently. But I think a lot of that is to do with how much he's raised his standard this year. Um, For me, consistently, he's one of our best players. Um, and I don't know, I thought his, in the first half, I really thought he struggled. And I thought it was sort of symptomatic of our struggles in general in the first half. I thought we really, we found it really tough to exert ourselves on the game. Um, second half, I thought he was much improved. I thought I thought we were much improved second half. Um, the ball was sticking a bit more for Watkins. Midfield was exerting more control over the game. Like first half, I, I thought we were, I thought 
Douglas Luiz Bubakar Kamara were kind of outplayed by Conor Gallagher, which doesn't sound great to say after the season that we've had. But, I, you know, we really grew into it. And one thing you can say about McGinn is that um, he puts the team on his back almost literally sometimes. <laughs> the way that he, uh, you know, his posture, the way that he puts opponents on his back, turns, plays that out ball. Every time he gets the ball into feet, he's looking to play that out ball straight away. doesn't always come off. Today was a good example of that. But you, you can't fault his um, desire to turn the ball over and keep us moving, I think. Um, and, I, I, you know, today's going to be one of those games. I've seen, I've seen Emery's comments after the game where he said, you know, he, he, was, he was straight up. He said first half, he thought that we weren't really up to scratch. But second half, he really liked what we saw, what he saw from us. And I, I, I agree, really. Like, one thing I think it's worth saying, well, I guess two things, really, is that, A, like, coming away from Stamford Bridge with a nil-nil draw, the fact that that in some ways feels a little bit underwhelming and disappointing is a real testament to our progress. Um, you know, we had back-to-back wins at Stamford Bridge before today. Um, first half, another Villa. Um, and I'm I'm not even talking that long ago. Um, you know, before Emery took over, not even Gerard, but Dean Smith's Villa. That first half, we'd have we'd have slipped, we'd have properly slipped up. We'd have been dead and buried by half time, I think, honestly. Um, but we've got this resilience. That every single game we play, we're competitive. Doesn't matter who we're playing, doesn't matter what the situation of the game is, like we're competitive. Sure, you rely on Emmy Martinez sometimes, but you, your point, Paul, earlier about other you know fans saying, Oh, you're a one man team relying on Martinez. A, we're not a one man team at all. And B, like it just so happens that one of our best players is our goalkeeper and isn't even one of our best players. He is possibly, probably the officially the best in the world in his position. Like, of course, he's going to come up big for us sometimes. Um, you know, Chelsea, I think something being overlooked, like Chelsea, this isn't the Chelsea of a few months ago. I saw something, Chelsea's home record, of last nine games at home, eight wins and one draw, and we're the draw. Like, they, they've had a resurgence um, and so for us to go, okay, it's a game you could argue FA Cup fourth round. Like if you're making that argument, maybe it's not the preeminent game in either team's mind, considering what's coming up. But for us to go there and weather the first half storm and then not only be resilient, but I thought we were on top second half, really. Bit of a killer instinct missing in front of goal. We've said that quite a lot, you know, but I, I, I'm, I didn't see too much that's made me... I didn't see anything that's made me concerned. I didn't see too much that's left me with a bad taste in my mouth after today. Um, it's just a shame we couldn't quite get the job done in the second half, you know, um, by the end of 90 minutes. But again, I, I say this most times Villa play. I think it's testament to uh, the kind of football that we play under Emery and also maybe more pertinently like the spirit of this Villa side and the resilience and um, the, the competitive level that there is in this team this year. Well, that's just it, isn't it, Seb? Because when you sit back and you look at it, and I think a lot of people get frustrated by two nil, two two nil, wait, two nil nil draws in a row. There we go. I got, it. <laughs> I got it out eventually. Of course, now Chelsea and formerly of Everton, people sit back and they can throw complaints at that because it's not a uh, free scoring Villa. It's not the Villa of the basically the first half of the season. And that's all well and true, and you can say that. But, I mean, how many times has Una Emery said, 
we have to suffer to get some wins and we're not always going to be on top and yada, yada, yada. It's, it, it's important to, yes, it's a draw, but it's important to grind out results like this as well, as well as a win. That's a sign of a team that is progressing, isn't it? Yes. Although there is also a part of me that slightly disagrees with um, what Tom said in, in terms of, and I don't think this is going to make me popular, but, I think that Chelsea were the masters of their own downfall more than, you know, it was it was resilient and it was, you know, brave for Villa because I mean let's let's not be around the bush. We we made um a world for our own back. A lot of Chelsea's chances were from mistakes at the back, were from um naivety maybe. Um just mistakes, to be honest. And um I, I believe that if Chelsea had an out-and-out striker, then it probably would have been a different story. But that's a problem that they've struggled with all season. And again, you know, what Tom said about um, making sure we stay in the game and making sure we grow in the game is is completely true. And we did that and we, you know, adapted and second half was a lot more positive. So I, I, I just didn't want the whole narrative. I, I don't want people thinking, oh... You know, well, they're Villa fans, so they're going to say that, you know, it was brave, it was resilient, it was, you know, warrior-like. Because I I can recognise that, you know, we were let off the hook today by Chelsea missing that many chances. And if we we consistently give those away, then we are going to be punished. But to make it to a replay and to make sure that we forced their hand into not conceding, um, made sure that we're in this position, and that is a sign of improvement, yes. Absolutely. I mean, don't get me, you're right, don't get me wrong. Like if Cole Palmer has the kind of game that we've come to, you know, expect from him in recent months, then we get buried in that game quite quickly. But Cole Palmer had an uncharacteristically poor game. Um, I agree. Like, there were there were a lot of errors, you know, I have to say. So um, there's, certainly a lot to be, there's certainly a lot to be improved upon, but it's difficult in a season like this when you're competing on so many fronts um, you know, very quickly, it still seems a while away now, but like very quickly, our attention is going to start turning to the Europa Conference League again. So that's going to come up, you know, very quickly. Um, and so in a season like this, when you're, you've got so much going on, I'm happy to just kind of be in the hat, really. Rode our luck a bit. Emmy Martinez comes up massive as he always does. A big concern for me. Well, what I mean, what I was going to say is like, there are two players that I'm really missing in this Villa team at the moment. And I would have thought at the start of the season that one of them, I would have said, would have been Tyrone Mings. And don't get me wrong, I do miss Tyrone Mings a lot. But I think we are desperately missing Paul Torres and Emmy Buendia at the moment. Because, like, Clement Longley, I don't think he's a bad defender. What I will say is I do think... I think I think he's a pretty solid defender, but I, I think he is below the level that surprisingly to all of us, I think we've come to expect from Villa. I'd have thought Clement Longley would be a very, would, would slot him very well at Villa. But I think the thing is, is that we've set such a high standard for ourselves that when you have somebody trying to play the Pau Torres role and it's not Pau Torres, it sticks out like a sore thumb sometimes. Like you, you, we mentioned individual errors. To my count, Clement Longley was culpable for at least two really bad losses of possession. Like he literally passed the ball to Cole Palmer once and then he lost the ball or gave the ball away on the edge of his own box again. 
and then so that that's a big miss and the, the, the you know the, the reports of him I'm a bit hesitant to use the word setback because I can't remember the exact wording that John Townley used about Pau Torres, but it was that he's had some kind of issue and they've had to stop his recovery training, something like that, because something's flared up. That, you know, that's a bit, that's, it's hard not to be concerned by that because I don't really feel like we have a setback. Sorry. Same setback. Yeah. You know, I don't, I don't really feel like we have the same caliber of replacement. Like we were, we got very lucky in a way that we lost Mings and we were thinking losing Tyrone Mings, that is devastating. Like his leadership, like his ability, because he's pretty good at playing out from the back. Because if you that long ball over the top, we created a lot of chances like that. And I think I wasn't alone among Villa fans thinking, how are we going to cope without Mings? And then Pau Torres comes in and he's a bit shaky at first and then he settles in and it's suddenly like, like, holy shit, we've got one of the best ball playing centre backs that I've seen, you know, and so to lose him now, that's very difficult. And having him having those setbacks the same way that it was concerning when Jacob Ramsey started having those setbacks and injury, that's that's a concern. Today was another example for me as well of how we miss Emmy Buendia. It's that I I love Ollie Watkins, but you you show me any striker in the world that you can pin pretty much all of your not only goal scoring threat on, but your chance creation. There isn't one, or there are very, very few. Ollie Watkins does a great job, but I, I we, we're just we're missing for me that you know we're great creating chances from set pieces. Austin McPhee specials, I'm all for this. I love it. Keep that coming. It's like pick a mix, right? You don't know what you're going to get. Um, but we don't really have that player who can bring the ball down in the center of the field close control, get back, bypass defenders and create chances from like central positions driving forward from midfield. I think the most, I think the closest we've had to that this season has been John McGinn, which is testament to how well he's played. But I just feel like if we had that kind of player, like if we had Emmy Buendia fit, if, whether he starts or not, if you could bring Emmy Buendia off the bench today for the last 20 minutes, fairly confident we win that game. And okay, that's that's speculative and that's conjecture. I get that. Like that's what could have been. But for me, that's I'm not concerned at all about Villa's performance today. The main concern for me is having these key personnel missing. Obviously, Buendia is nothing new, been out all season. But like having people like Al Torres missing, and you keep hitting these setbacks. Considering it does not look like we're going to be doing much in January, as I don't know about you guys, I did not expect us to do much if anything in January considering we now have to I think sort of accept that fact that when if we do anything in January it's very very unlikely to be somebody who's like first team like starting 11 ready that's I think something we're going to have to work out moving forward is how do we how do we negotiate these absences of, of key personnel and how do we find a way to to break teams down and have the cutting edge that don't get me wrong we have shown on occasion this season but I don't think we can say that we found that consistently well see that's a, the tricky thing too because like you just listed there Tom with Pautora is a, a ball carrier from the back someone that can bypass a midfield and that was probably Villa's biggest issue today Connor Gallagher was causing Kamara and Louise loads of issues and we really couldn't get by bypass that midfield on many occasions and that's someone, of course, you're basically asking, I don't know, uh, it's like Paul Torres is like five guys in terms of burger quality. 
And then I don't know, Longley is, I don't know if this is Rudy's like kind of like Burger King. Like it's all right on its day. That is disgrace. That is a horrific I'm not a big analogy. burger. I'm not a Burger King fan, so maybe I I'm, will. I'm with Cole, honestly. Yeah. I will fight this corner until the day I die, and I will consider Well, my go role sit in here your Burger at King the corner. Holocaust <laughs> if, if things do not change. I Guys, keep your will eyes not peeled accept for that. the uh, the, the Hulk King Burger podcast coming up. <laughs> oh Jesus! But anyways, yeah, like it's it, it is. There's a clear lack in quality. You also can mention, I mean, pre-injury Jacob Ramsey as well, another ball carrier, someone that can bring you out of the midfield who can pick a pass on his day. Same with Emi Bundia. I mean, the list goes on and on. It's the game changers that we're missing, and maybe in a little bit we'll get into um, who Villa have been linked with, maybe at the very end, very quickly. Um, But based on that and based on January, these seem like players that we're being linked with essentially that aren't going to make an immediate impact. Maybe it will take some time growing into it because they're coming down from the championship or another league, whatever. It, it's, so, it's so tricky to address that in January. And I think a lot of fans are expecting that and because of the injuries. But I mean, this isn't the Villa of old that are going to be desperate and look for anything. And it, it is a good thing in a way that we aren't going down that road as frustrating as it can be, because I think in the long run, it does benefit the side. But Again, I, I think when you look at the, the side that Chelsea put out, which you'd have to say is probably pretty close to their full strength, barring maybe one or two, um, I'd have to say Villa did fairly well. Of course, we were wasteful at times and unlucky for Dougie Louise for the ball to go off his hand, of course, when he did score. And it, it does suck. And too bad VAR didn't exist like we thought it would for the first 24 hours when it was announced that um, it wouldn't be a part of this game because that was probably the best time of my life as a as a Villa fan during the existence of VAR. But you just have to say it is very funny that like there was there was a meltdown on Twitter this week about there being no VAR. Like, oh, Chelsea are guaranteed to like beat our offside trap and score, and it should be offside, and it's not. And then we're the ones who end up getting shafted. <laughs> it is comical, isn't it's it? Just yeah. But at the end of the day, it is what it is. And I mean, I don't want to kind of continually go on about a nil-nil result too, too much. And we've kind of probably discussed as much as we can in terms of this result. So let's kind of relate that and kind of spin it into Newcastle, of course, on Tuesday at Villa Park. I mean, Seb, how are you feeling about this one? Because, I mean, we look at the substitutions, Emmy, or not Emmy Martinez, holy crap. You can tell I'm struggling with this, that Unai Emery made on friday as tom looks at me and knows I, I screwed up um on friday you look at leon bailey coming on pretty late some other substitutions you think maybe could have been made a little bit earlier we'd probably argue to say that maybe those were made with tuesday and mining coming up so quickly but how are you feeling about this one are you expecting any changes to the squad let us know I'm quite confident, to be honest, which is a bit of a worry because that's not like me at all, um, as everyone will will know. Uh, I think it's a good time to play them. They're missing a lot of key figures. You know, correct me if I miss anyone out, but obviously Joe Linton, Kieran Trippier hasn't been in the best form. Um, I believe Nick Pope is still out. If I'm not mistaken, um, I'm sure there's others as well. They're they're going through all these rumors about people might be leaving as well. So you know things things are up in air with them at the moment, and they're not in great form themselves. Um, I can I can really see this as a game, and you know I'm 
I'm almost as I'm saying this in my own head going Seb shut the fuck up like no just this isn't like you at all what's going on and it, it's kind of worrying but I can see this as obviously people have been going well our performances haven't been great of recent weeks people have been linking it back to the City and Arsenal game and going we haven't really been at our best since then I can see this being a sort of game where we find our stride again and you know we come away thinking everything's rosy and you know we're the best team in the land and all the world and we can go on one of those runs again I, because I, I'm, I'm really confident and I don't know why and I'm going to stop talking before I say something I end up regretting but um, hopefully this doesn't come back to bite me in the arse I can, I can see it as one of those games a bit like the Newcastle game last season I think you know we went into that two teams who were I mean, let's not be around the bush massively you know, performing at that time. And we came out on top and the quote, and I, I mention it every time, the quote from Simon on the podcast after sticks in my head. And I remember him saying that every single blade of grass was covered by a claret and blue persuasion. And I absolutely love it. And I don't know why, but it's stuck to me to this day. I might end up getting it tattooed. I'll have to ask his permission or something. But um, I, I genuinely see it going something like that. And I don't know why. Well, like you said, you said about Newcastle not being in, not being in good form. Like I, I just elaborate on that. Like this, admittedly, they they play Fulham away in the cup uh, Sunday. So before you know, we're recording this before that game. They haven't like the only team they've beaten since mid December is Sunderland in the cup. And even then, they looked bang average. And even then, yeah. Well, I mean, is that that's just it's just the the difference, isn't it, in in, in caliber in the teams? But like, yeah, they've had some tough games. Like they've lost at home to City. They've lost at Liverpool. Like they lost three one at home to Nottingham Forest. They lost one nil at Luton. They were unlucky. They lost on penalties in the League Cup to Chelsea. To like, you know, they've had some tough games. Then you know they beat the, the game I mentioned. They won mid December. They beat Fulham ten man Fulham. They beat them three nil. Before that, you know, they lost at they they lost at Everton. They're it's not the same Newcastle. Like I I I said before this season, uh, I thought it was very very strange when people at the start of this season, not many people were, but I saw a fair few people saying that they thought Newcastle are oh, Newcastle will be top six again. Based on what? They're in the Champions League. Like they're they are not equipped for this whatsoever like you've got to remember about Newcastle is that at least we if we qualify for the Champions League this year at least we've kind of had that that buffer of going we've had Europe you know Europa Conference League we've had the adjustment of going back to European football like Newcastle were thrown straight in and they were in like such a tough Champions League group as well of course it's going to take a toll and I mean, like, like I'm sure Newcastle fans are sat at home thinking, like, we are the unluckiest team in terms of injury. It's the same that any any fan of any team thinks they're they are the the least you know the least fortunate with injuries. It's just football fandom, and they have been unlucky, but they're not, you know, they're they're not that good a team, honestly. And so I, I'm kind of on the same thing thing of Seb. I think like Newcastle at home to me is exactly the kind of game. Where if we can go out and we can win that, you know, if we well, I was going to give a scoreline, but actually I don't give a shit. Like if we can go out and we can win that game, that for me immediately dispels any. I don't really think there should be any doubts after today, anyway. But if we go out and we beat Newcastle, it dispels any doubts at all 
Um, it's similar to how, you know, I mean, well, we haven't even haven't even lost today. You know, like after we lost, I think it was when we lost to um do when we lost to Everton in the League Cup at home, our only our only home defeat in the last year. And everyone was really down in the dumps. It's like, oh, typical Villa, like, you know, can't win a cup game. Like, oh, it's dreadful. We beat Brighton 6-1, like four days later. And it's just, on a in a season like this, you're only as good as your last game. Villa, were, Villa weren't even bad today at all. And I think that Newcastle at home in the next league game is a perfect opportunity to build on the second half today and to get a get a... What would still be, I think, a bit of a statement result to say, hey, yeah, you know, like we're where we are in the league because we deserve to be here. Hey, it's Ryan Reynolds and I'm here with Keith, co-star of my upcoming film, If Only in Theatres, May 17th. Do you want to tell people the big news? All right, I'll do it. Sign up now and you'll get unlimited for $15 a month in six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan on us. Mintmobile.com slash switch. Upfront payment of $45 equivalent to $15 per month. Unlimited over 40 gigabytes per month. Face lower speeds. Videos at 480p. Active Mint customers by 531.24 get six months of Paramount Plus Essential Plan. Auto renews after six months. Offer ends May 31st, 2024. Separate Paramount Plus registration required. Terms and conditions apply if rated PG. Burroughs Furniture is built for the way you live. From ensuring easy assembly and disassembly to honoring highly requested new colors for their award-winning seating, they always have their customers in mind. Their modular seating is made out of durable materials to last and grow with you. And with Burrow, you always get fast, free shipping. Get up to 60% off during Burrow's Memorial Day sale at burrow.com slash ACAST. That's burrow.com slash ACAST. Burrow.com slash ACAST. The reason I'm so confident, because I realized I said a lot of words without actually backing it up with any facts at all, is they're one of those teams where their style of play suits us at home. Yeah, that's what I think, yeah. And, and it is, it's really easy to sit here and say that after, you know, we pumped them 3-0 last season. But they're, they're one of those teams where they smother you. They don't give you any time. And we know how that works for us at Villa Park, which is why we've been thumped by them at St. James's for the last two years. Because typically, away from home, if we're not given time on the ball, we will make mistakes. We will crumble a little bit. And, you know, I think we've conceded nine in two games at St. James's Park because their style of play is suited to play against us when we're away. I don't think that it's going to be the same at home. We like to play under that sort of pressure and under those sort of circumstances. And we managed to find a way through it or at least going on recent history, especially under Unai Emery this season, the back end of last season. We found ways to go against it. We've created chances from it. So... That's the reason I'm so confident. Um, it's not, you know, not backed up by by strong opinions. Well, it's kind of tricky too. Like when you look at Newcastle's squad, I, I think it's fair that most people would say that Eddie Howe has done a very good job when you look at the names in that squad. And I, I think that's fair to say. But I think what I was reading yesterday that I think Miguel Almiron, uh, Jack Grealish's favorite person in the world, um, is moving, I think, to like Saudi or something like that. I think it read. Uh, I saw links with Trippier moving away. Like, I think there's a little bit of kind of upheaval within the squad in terms of what's going on transfer wise. Because I've read, I don't know how many times that they need to make some sales in order to deal with FFP and things like that in order to bring some players in. So, 
I do think they are pun punching above their weight. And I don't think that's honestly disrespectful given <laughs> the, some of the players in the squad. And I, again, they could pump us and a Newcastle fan li listens to this and you know what, they can say whatever they want about us. But I, I think we are honestly being pretty honest. And I, I, I did see some things in terms of the 3-2 loss to City with some of their fans saying that oh, they were unlucky to lose. Well, to be fair, they scored two worldies. And when you look at the stats, unfortunately, the stats do not lie. Uh, City had 27 shots, 11 on target. Uh, Newcastle had 12 with 5 on target. 27% possession. Uh, City had 73. If you want to look at the passes, City had 747 passes to Newcastle's 277. Like, you have to put things like that into context. Of course, they do have injuries as well. I'm not really sure what's going on with the likes of Cal Wilson at this time. Yes, they can still score goals because they do have Isak up front. They do have Anthony Gordon too. Um, it, it's a real mixture. You never really know what you're going to get with them. In the league, of course, like you guys have mentioned, they're not doing very well. They've lost four in a row. You don't really know what side you're going to get. Of course, we've seen what the high line can do, even with Villa's best against them at the start of the season. But it is also important to mention that this isn't the same Villa squad in terms of mentality, morale, and everything that they played um, during match week one of this season. I'm not going to give a score prediction, but I'm very confident like you guys going into this one. And there's no reason not to be. Some people can look at two nil-nil results in a row, and I said that right the first time, I'm proud of it this time, um, and see a little bit of a downer, but I see that as a positive. That's two clean sheets in a row against an Everton side that are better than where their points total is, and of course against a Chelsea side who are massively improving over the last couple months. So I, I think there's a good enough reason and momentum going into this one to look at it optimistically, and I mean, we're absolutely mint at Villa Park too, so... At the end of the day, we'll have to wait and see. Uh, before... thing, like, oh, sorry, with the stats, on. with the stats, like everything's in the eye of the beholder, isn't it? Like you can look at it as like two nil nil draws, or we failed to score in two games, or you can look at it as oh, two nil nil draws, two clean sheets in a row. Today, th there were you know there were mistakes, but a big thing for me as well is that we trended upwards in today's game. First half, I thought we were poor by our standards. Second half, I thought we were actually really quite good. We dominated the game. Second half, had control of it. So it's all how you look at it, isn't it? Um, my my the Newcastle game for me, like if 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 Esri Konza can mark Alexander Isak out the game, then I think we win. I, I'm the way that Newcastle are playing at the moment. I don't think that, I don't think their midfield stands up to our midfield very well at all. The the way they've been playing and the way that we've been playing all season long, the quality of players we have in midfield. I think when we're at home, I think we'll win the midfield battle. I think it's basically if we can if we can nullify the threat of Alexander Isak, then I think we win. I'm genuinely more concerned about Sheffield United away than I am about Newcastle at home. And that's not me saying I think it's done and dusted, we're going to win. It's just Sheffield United away, even under Emery, is the kind of game that I could see us having a lot more difficulty with than Newcastle at home. So, I mean, call me in four days' time when we lose at home to Newcastle and I'll, I'll walk this back. But... Tom, there's a Sheffield United fan somehow listened to this at like three in the morning, whatever day, if you are listening, hope you're doing well. And they're absolutely stunned that you said that they're, that you're a little nervous about that it's game. Like Chris Wilder. <laughs> it's that Chris Wilder shit, man. I don't know. I'm not, it doesn't, makes me, makes me all jittery. He's going to bring back David McGoldrick, I think is at Knott's County. He's going to cancel his contract if he's still there and he's going to play one game. It's going to be against us and we're going to lose one nil again. <laughs> 
uh, just call it now. But anyways, before we do wrap this one up, because I don't want to make this too much longer, because I know people listen to this on a weekend, especially, um, will have other things they want to do. If you're listening, regardless on a walk or whatever, we always do appreciate it. But the two players of most note in terms of, it seems like they're more concrete links than a lot of things that are thrown out there, of course. Villa have apparently had, I think they're on their third bid in terms of reporters putting things out of Morgan Rogers of Middlesbrough. I think now it's above 10 million, apparently, that the fee has been at. We'll have to wait and see. And of course, uh, we all love a North City player at Villa, don't we? Um, we can look at, of course, Emmy Buendia and uh, Grant Holt. Um, but of course, the, the latter didn't do too well. But you know what? Um, there was hopes when that happened initially in terms of how shit that season was. But regardless of that, of course, Jonathan Rowe, their most prized asset coming through their academy and arguably kind of looking a little bit like an Emmy Buendia types in terms of how he carries the ball in terms of how important he is to that side of linking up play I mean I'm not going to ask us to fully evaluate these players said but I mean in terms of the caliber we're being linked at the age profile young English midfielding attacking players who can give you kind of a little bit of a variance in terms of what they can offer do you think these kind of moves, especially in January, make sense, or how are you feeling about it? Yeah, um, I mean, it's it's sort of what I expected coming into January, really, very minimal. And if there was to be one, then it would be a young profile that we can obviously help develop. Um, I I think it's genuinely one of those where it either happens or it doesn't. And before you laugh, because that's probably the most obvious statement I will ever make. What I mean by that is if it doesn't happen in January, it won't happen in the summer. I don't think we'll go after them in the summer. I I only think they'll make the move if they genuinely believe that it is a, a good price for what we can get now, as well as they'll be able to come in and make an impact now for the rest of the season and that we can then use that going forward in in years to come I, I if we don't get them now you know I can't see that being pursued further in the summer I don't know too much about Rogers um I have watched a little bit more of Roe and I, I like what I've seen from him you know he's exciting uh the way he carries the ball he's he's very much been Norwich's talisman this season and they speak very highly of him I I don't think there'd be too much difference in price, which surprises me as to why we'd go for Rogers. Um, however, uh, Emery is obviously a very big fan of Rogers. That being backed up after having played them in the cup, so you know I'm I'm not gonna be one to go against his judgment. He he's obviously a much better. Um, talent identificator than I am but uh, it it seems weird because I don't see us spending 50 million this window I, I I can't see it you know a lot has been said about FFP you know obviously we're keeping uh, Kane Kessler Hayden we're keeping Erobenham you know we're we're very much making use of of what we have Ramsey will be back fit. We have Zaniolo. We have Diaby, who still needs to find his feet. We have Bailey, who's in the form of his life. It, it seems an odd one to me, and I would be more surprised if either of them do happen than if they don't. See, I kind of think it's interesting, Tom, because 
when you sit back and you look at it, it almost feels like, and this is just me thinking hypothetically when I probably have too much time on my hands at, at certain points of the day. Um, you look at the Morgan Rogers links and you can kind of question it when, and I, I've spoke to some Villa fans that are wondering why we're doing this now. When of course I think he was on a free or like he was like 1 million pounds or whatever in the summer. I get that. And I can understand why circumstances have changed. Now you look at injuries, of course, if Wendia was healthy and fit and firing, uh, this probably wouldn't be linked or maybe it'd be something more prioritized for the summer when the fee's a little bit better. I, but I almost feel like in a weird way, that now that Jonathan Rowe is being brought up, that I wonder if that's the real target after all. And that's just me hypothesizing because we've seen this with Villa, especially since Unai Emery's been at the club and things have kind of changed where we're linked with one player, but then suddenly this other one comes out of nowhere. And that seems like that's the one that A, probably makes more sense here and now. And B, I mean, it seems like it was just the one that was meant to be after all. But where does that sit with you? In all honesty, it's a it's boring answer, and it's not. Um, it's going to sound like a grumpy answer, but I've I haven't paid very much attention. Like I, I I've given up a while ago, sort of bothering to follow Villa's transfer reports. Sorry, Tom, that that was great analysis. <laughs> I'm like, what can I say though? Do you know what I mean? Like, Welcome I'm, to the Hotcast. I'm not. Yeah, honestly, subscribe, guys. Uh, I'm not a talent scout. I'm not a coach. I, I, who am I to say whether the players that Villa are, inter- are reportedly interested in uh, are, are worth us looking at? And who am I to say whether media reports about Villa are correct or not? Because there was a time where anything that like John Percy reported, for example, I'm just using his name because he was a guy who was seen as like an oracle for Villa. There's a time that whatever John Percy reported, you could pretty much take as gospel. And it's not, I'm not saying that he's got less reliable. I'm saying that Villa, we broadcast our moves far less than we did a few years ago. And I think it's an excellent thing for the club that we don't, that there seems to be far less, um, there seems to be far fewer leaks and there seems to be far less signposting of what we're doing. So I just, I don't, honestly, I do not pay that much attention. Like Morgan Rogers and Morgan, Rogers and John Rowe, I don't know very much about either of them. If it turns out that they're legit and we're, we are genuinely, we, we sign one of them, I completely trust the coaching staff we have that they're a player that's worth, that's worth adding. But I'm on, my main thing is I agree very much with Seb in that I think that if there's a move for like Rogers or Rowe or somebody like that, a, that's the type of move I was expecting us to make, if any, in January. I agree completely. Like you don't go, you don't go shopping for A plus level players in January because you inevitably get shafted. It's very, very rare that you come out of a January window with somebody who slots straight into the team, and it's all it all comes up smelling of roses. So if we were going to sign anyone, I thought it would be somebody like that that you bring in, you nurture, and you develop, and you integrate. If Villa don't sign anyone this window. I'm not going to shed a tear about it at all. I have, I have, although I would prefer our injury situation to be better. I am. How can you look at the season that Villa are having, and not be confident in the players that we have at the club? That's my main thing. So uh, I'm sort of past the days of spending transfer windows longing for new additions and for fresh faces and for transfer rumours because I'm far more interested in what 
the players currently wearing the Villa shirt are doing on the pitch. Because so far this season, it's been bloody excellent. Look, as much as it's really funny for me to sit here and listen to Tom essentially on a Villa podcast go, I don't care, I'm not bothered who, like... What's the point of even talking about it? He raises some some good points in the fact that it's it's very easy to get carried away with this whole, you know, facade of paper talk. Davila want this player, Davila want that player. Or oh, what if it's a smoke screen? Villa have come in at the last minute for Rowe instead of Rogers because they've rejected our Rogers bid. Like this, this doesn't happen overnight. They will have had these players on a shortlist for months and months and months, if exactly. not longer. So I, whether it's Raul Rogers, I I don't know. I don't think Villa don't. To go back to your original point, which seems about half an hour ago, um, maybe even longer because I'm it's past my bedtime. Um, Villa would not. Row would not be the main target. Because we've made two bids for Rogers. You don't make two bids for a player when he's not your primary outcome and you have someone else in mind. Was there two um, bids though? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, it's it's all a conspiracy theory. Does Aston Villa even exist at this point? <laughs> what is what like, is a Jonathan Rowe? <laughs> yeah. Do do dogs actually run the world and we are their slaves? I'd probably in in yes. true spirit of Tom, I couldn't care less. Awesome. That's the thing. Like part of me for the transfer, my last word on transfer talk is that I feel like we're Villa fans are not alone in doing this. It's not at all like any kind of casting aspersions on Villa fans whatsoever. It's football fandom. But for me, like this whole talk about, oh, is this the main target? Will we sign this? Is this? Can we believe this rumor from like a, a second tier newspaper in Spain? Like whatever it is, all of that for me has come out the fact that for the last few years, certainly pre-Dean Smith, we've been shit. And so when the football on the field is bad, you need distractions Will Villa sign this player? Oh, this is an interesting transfer thing to follow. Like, oh, I'm excited about the tra- the transfer window. Like, that's great when you're crap because every week you turn up and you're either bored or you're crying about what's on offer in front of you. This season, I, like, I don't, I don't care. It's great if they identify players that they think are going to make us better in the long run. But like, we're pretty fucking good as it is. So. If we have to continue forward, like one thing I've I've really liked this week, one last point for me, and then I'll shut up, I promise. <laughs> In recent days, I love this talk of Tim Oropenham being reintegrated into the first team squad and us placing a little bit more faith in him as a defensive midfield backup option. I love that because I don't think Leander Dendonka was a bad footballer for Villa at all. The fact that he Napoli, was exactly what we needed in that situation. He was what he needed in that situation. I, I I don't really think we need that kind of... We don't need to be bringing players in who never have any hope. No respect to Leander. Sorry to Leander's friends and family if you're listening. <laughs> like, we don't need to be bringing in players who never really have any hope of usurping one of our starting 11. Like, I'm not interested in that unless they're sort of between the age of 17 and 21. Like, we don't... We're not in that situation anymore. And I feel like for mu- as much as I was saying earlier that I feel like we do miss players and injuries are taking their, their toll a bit. That's the same for every club in the league. It's the same for every single club. And the fact is, is that in Douglas Louise, 
Bubakar Kamara, John McGinn, Yuri Tielemans. I know they don't all play exactly the same position, but let's talk broad strokes for a second. General kind of central midfield vibe. Like those four options as a rotation, as good as you will see outside of what we, you know, what likes to be dubbed the big six. Like that, that's as good a midfield rotation as you will get. So like in that exactly, we don't need to be bringing in another player who's in the prime of their career or near the prime of their career, but it doesn't have a hope in hell of usurping any of those players. Like this is exactly the kind of situation for me where you should be giving players like Tim a little bit more faith to come in for the last 20 minutes of matches or, to, you know, uh, hopefully, you know, ideal world, like in the, when the Europa conference league comes back, you're in a position in the second leg where you can bring somebody like that on for 45 minutes or even start them and get them some game time, like that kind of thing. Like, if that's what Unai Emery and staff think is the best thing to do, which in Urugbenum and the midfield case, it seems like it is, I'm all for that. Because as much as we want to push on and we want to see Villa achieve the absolute maximum of what this Villa team can achieve this season, we are already smashing our glass ceiling for this season, in my opinion. Um, there's no need to force things like that, like that you do have to have a kind of like what will be, will be. And I think it's better for us in the long term. Make a couple of young additions this month, if that's what fits. If it doesn't fit, continue with what you've got because it's going pretty well. And we were talking, it wasn't long ago that we were talking about this conveyor of talent, conveyor belt of talent that Villa have. That's still there. That hasn't gone away. It's just that we are achieving more than we thought was possible. So the focus hasn't really been on the youth coming through. It's still there. And players like Tim can be the next, the next examples of those, I think. So that's my thing. Like if there's room to add in a way that makes sense, do it. If not, who cares? Well, that's the thing. Like, I think we can all definitely agree that whoever Unai Emery trusts to bring in, we are more than okay with that. And there's going to be a lot of, different and diverse opinions on social media and other outlets. And I can totally appreciate that, but let's be honest. He really hasn't steered us wrong in any way necessary. Let's be honest for most fans that either are of North American uh, descent or anywhere else in the world, that's not primarily UK based. I mean, and probably of a certain age, this is the best we've seen it for a very, very, very long time. So let's just enjoy it. We'll see what happens. If nothing happens, I, th- I think that's okay. I'm okay with Dundonker leaving, to be honest. He had no future. If Napoli want to um, agree to the fee of, I think it was like 9 million euros to take him, it's even better. You got a lot I of weight off the bat. Very bucket. harsh. What? I mean, that's very harsh. What's harsh? That he had he had no place being here and that he wasn't needed at I all. I didn't say he had... Whoa, whoa, whoa. I did not say he had no place being here. What what did you say exactly? I, not exactly, because I can't remember, but I know I did not say that. I essentially said all the power to him to go. He didn't... He's not going to fit into Unai's system, let's be honest. Based on the game time, he's not going no, to... No, no, no. I get that. I, yeah. I, I'm not disputing that at all. But I... Sorry, I was under the impression of... That you were saying that no, 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 no. I'm not saying like you have no place here. You do not belong. But let's be honest, he doesn't fit into the plans. I think we're all in agreement that, like, I think Seb, you said it best. Honestly, like, he, like, then, then Donker is the like he was a good player for what we needed at the time. Um, we've moved on, like, not in a horrible way. Like, he's he's a good he's a good player. That's why there's there's a reason that like Napoli want him. 
But he was a I great backup. He was the I, perfect backup. He was, but I'm at the but I'm at the position now where if you can recoup money for him, I know it's a loan and there's only an option to buy or whatever. But like, if you if you're in a position where he's not realistically going to play, and you like Unai and coaching staff think that Tim Rogan can do the job as well as him, that's it's one of those tough decisions, right? And it's always difficult with it's difficult with internationals especially with the Euros coming up, because he'll be looking at that. He's on the frisk of the Belgium squad at the moment, and he'll be going, well, you know, I want to be able to cement my place for it. It might be his last international tournament. So it, it's probably come from the player side more than more than the, the club actually be willing to, you know, yeah, wanting to actively recruit money for him. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised at all if that's the case. Well, yeah, and exactly. Like Tim, big Tim has to start playing too. Like we all talk about the promise he has and how great he looked at QPR and loan and uh, initially and yada, yada, yada. But at some point he has to start getting minutes in a Villa shirt if he's going to realize that potential and fit in here. And even if it's a handful of games, that's better than him sitting around and not playing or going out alone at at this point in time. Like we, we talked about the promise of the likes of him and King Kessler Hayden and the list and Louis Berry, the list goes on and on. Um, a lot of those players are no longer at the football club. And you look at, I mean, I'm not going to bring this into to kind of start another whole conversation because we'll be here forever. But my point is this, and Tom's looking at me with a grimace on his face because he wants me to almost make that point. I can tell. But you look at yeah, that, that. you look at Jaden Philogene and a lot of people are saying, well, why did we let him go? Well, based on all the reports that have come out in the interview with Jacob Tanswell, he wanted to leave to play and you can't blame him. And I feel like there's probably a lot of younger players nowadays that are starting to realize that. Of course, some are swayed by the big lights, but you can't blame players for wanting to go play. So you have to kind of put that mentality and that thought into it as well. So when we're linked with the likes of Morgan Rogers and Jonathan Rowe and et cetera, et cetera, for the rest of January, and people are wondering why we let go of certain players, there's so many different elements and that's what I'm getting at. And I I think we have to realize that fans are very important to this football club and we can pretend that it's all our money and we can divvy it how we want, but we're not in control of it. So we have to wait and see. And that's all I'm going to say. But if you guys have anything else you want to mention, I think it's a good point to wrap it up. If not. (laughs) Um, No, to be honest. And even if I did, Tom probably wouldn't care about it. So yeah, it's probably best to wrap it up. Tom's in his mid-2000s goth emo, I don't give a a, a crap. I I was going to say, I think I've been painted in an unfair light in this podcast, but actually, I think it's it's very accurate. (laughs) I'm very happy with how Villa are doing. Absolutely excellent season. Happy to have an FA Cup replay. Don't give a shit what happens in the last (laughs) days of the window. Onwards. To be fair, all we care about is Villa getting to the Conference League final. We're all going to get together in the stadium somehow. I don't know how that's going to happen. We're going to get tickets, but it's going to happen. I'm just going to put that out there into the universe, and then we can do a whole cast live for the first time. And uh, happy days. I mean, I don't know if Tom or I will be given permission from the from the wives and the fiance, but we'll have to wait and see. Uh, regardless of that, the other mission goes wanna... out the window if Villa make a European final. I'm not being funny. To be I'm honest. Probably... Luckily, my, my, my wife's uh, a Villa fan as well. She's from a fan, a very staunch Villa fan. So awesome. I think well, she's uh, coming too, then. It, was, it was actually written into the wedding contract that <laughs> she'd get to a cup final. 
I'm now I'm picturing Tom signing the contract and they're zooming way out. But when you zoom in, it's like this, you know how they do with the, the contracts. It's like, this is a fake contract. Who's going to zoom in on it. That's what I'm picturing right now. But anyways, interesting fact about Jonathan Rowe too. They have a nice chant for him. That is, uh, let's have a go Johnny Rowe. So maybe that'll be the uh, new Villa chant for him. I'm just going to put that out there. Don't know why I wanted to bring that up. That I just genuinely has made me want to sign him less. Oh, okay. Um, is there? I, I, I can't believe. Wow! <laughs> if this makes that in, like I can't let it in. Well, good thing I'm the editor. We'll we'll see how many people want to listen to this, and I do apologize. It's a Friday after a nil-nil result in the fourth round of the FA Cup. Can you Cup. just can you just recite how it goes, sorry? I I don't know it word for word, but I think it's like Johnny Rowe have a go or let or let's have a go Johnny Rowe or something like that that I read <laughs> online. So. Um, there, there was a little chant with it too, so they've at least chanted something like that. Um, uh, these are the things I do when I'm not listening to you guys talk, apparently. Jesus. Let's, let's hope it's Morgan Rogers, lads. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, let's wrap things up there, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you very, very much for listening to another edition of the Holtcast, even, um, how much of an absolute shit show this one was. But of course, you can find Mr. Sebastian Bacon on Twitter slash X, whatever you want to call it, ask Sebastian Bacon 8. Find Tom on there at TD Nightingale. And of course, find myself on there as well. Talk Aston Villa. And of course, tweet the team at 7,500 to Holt. We should be back post-match after Newcastle, which is hopefully a win. Hopefully we just win for the rest of the season. But anyways, we'll leave it there. And don't forget, up the Villa. Hey, it's Danny Pellegrino from Everything Iconic. Ready to upgrade your style game without blowing your budget? Check out Quince. They've got all the good stuff, shirts and polos, activewear and fine leather goods, all at 50 to 80% less than other high-end brands. And the best part? They're all about safe, ethical and responsible manufacturing. Get that luxury vibe without the luxury price tag. Hit up quince.com slash upgrade for free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. That's quince.com slash upgrade.